Hello, my name is John Schwartz, and we're back again today to hear some stories of wild animals and the people who love them in our podcast series, Tales of Transformation, the magic between humans and wild animals. With me once again is our storyteller and tour guide, Dr. Susan Eyrick, the founder and director of Earthfire Institute Wildlife Sanctuary, located near the Grand Teton Mountains. And Susan, today you are going to tell us a little bit about Teton Totem. Yes, Teton Totem is a magnificent grizzly bear. He's now about 14. He was about six. Something happened. You don't know what it was, but he slowly began to have more and more apparent pain in his back end. And over time, he stopped being able to walk. And he'd be dragging himself using his front paws. And what do you do with a thousand pound grizzly bear? We called in our vet, who did the best he could with Western medication. We um, tranquilized him, took x rays, um, couldn't find anything. Partly couldn't find anything because with so much muscle mass, the x ray couldn't get all the way through. But basically what we did see, couldn't find anything, and the vet said, you know, we can give him a shot. It'll last about a week of steroids, and in about a week, that's as good as it's going to get. Otherwise, um, you need to put him down, because what are you going to do with a paralyzed grizzly bear? He gave him the shot, didn't make any difference. Teton's eyes were full of vitality. This was not a bear who wanted to die. I, I couldn't do it. I had no intentions of doing it. But what do you do if there's no Western medicine that can help? And you can't massage a grizzly bear. But, but we also didn't really know what the diagnosis was. So in desperation, I called a friend of mine, Penelope Smith, who was really the um, grandmother of the whole interspecies telepathic communication movement. She's... Um, She's talented. She has her own fascinating history of how she came to be so tuned to animals and energies. She originally was a medical intuitive for humans and shifted it to feeling issues with animals. There are many fascinating tapes of hers as well. So I called her. She was living in Prescott, Arizona at the time, and she had met Teton. And she thought he was an extremely fine bear, which he is. She called him a, a bear's bear. Hmm. And I said, Penelope, I have no idea if this makes any sense, if there's anything you can do, but this is a situation. You know, is there anything you can suggest, nutrition, anything? And she said, let me see what I can do. And this was her in Prescott and Teton here in, in Driggs, Idaho. I said, well, okay, it's not going to hurt, and thank you. And she called the next day and said, is there any difference? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, he dragged himself over to the pool for the first time in a long time and dropped his right hind leg into the water 
and tried to move it back and forth, sort of like hydrotherapy. Um, but could be coincidence. I personally really don't want to believe something that is uh, because I want to. Mm. I don't want to say it, it must have been that. I, I really think it's important to try and be as accurate as I can rather than mix in hope and wishes. So I didn't want to say, oh, yes, it worked, because I didn't know if it worked. I only know that one day she did it, the next day he went over to the pool. A couple of days later, she emailed, contacted him again. She did mentally. Is there any difference? Well, I think he's a little better. A few days later. Seems to be a little better. Within several weeks, he was walking. So I don't know what happened, how it happened. I've done a lot of thinking and research on it since, which is really for another time. The only thing I can tell you is that Western medicine could do nothing. He wasn't able to walk. And after Penelope started working with him, he was able to walk. That was in, a, in September of that year. He was walking normally about a month later. Well, he was walking, walking about a month later. He was walking normally by end of October. And then it was time for him to hibernate. So I panicked. Poor bear. What's he going to do in the cold and stiff all, all winter long? Is he going to be okay? We, we lined his den with extra insulation. I worried all winter. And when he came out in the spring, he was walking just fine. And he's been walking just fine ever since. And he can stand up with his whole bulk on his spine, a thousand-pound bulk. He's fine. So the two major things here, one is what happened to him after he started walking, which I'll talk about in a minute, and the other is what happened? What the heck happened? Mm -hmm. So I called Penelope and said, what happened from your point of view? And then I realized I wasn't going to get enough on the phone, so I flew down and I did a video interview of her, which is on her website. But what she basically said was, she's had the ability since childhood to see both x-ray vision in her own body and to enter into other animals um, and feel their way. So she first did something that I respect totally, assuming, setting disbelief aside, assuming that this is what all true, this is the sequence she went through. She first asked him permission, which I think is really important. You just don't invade an animal's body, assuming you can anyway, but you don't just invade an animal's body or do treatment without permission. The same thing as you don't necessarily just decide you're going to put an animal down because of your own ideas about three legs and as per some of our other stories you ask permission and she said Teton said yes and again this is all t uh, through images 
um, not literally saying yes or anything, but she felt his acquiescence, that he wanted to be free of pain. And so then what she did was telepathically enter into his body and feel her way down his body till she found a problem. And she found a problem at the base of his spine. She felt a compressed and and slipped disc down there. Mm. That's what she felt. And then she sent images to him of what the problem was and a suggestion to him about how he might be able to work with it. So essentially she gave him extra energy, a little bit like uh, Jill gave Apricot the wolf, or extra perception or extra connection, whatever it is, something in addition to his own abilities to heal, gave him that little bit of extra. And then apparently what he did was once he had that idea and that input, he was able to heal himself. Mm. It was, um, all I can tell you is that it happened. Mm -hmm. And he's walking. Mm -hmm. I've spoken with other people about quantum physics and space and time and telepathic connections and all that. Um, I don't think anybody knows much about it at this point. But it was so, if, it, if that's what happened, the implications are so immense. A human being reaching across space and time, a bear receiving it, another species receiving it, using it to heal himself, using that helped to help himself. And with, uh, with those, the immensity of those implications... As you hear yourself saying that, is there something that you feel you'd like to see done or tried or tested? Is, it, is there? I get the feeling from hearing the story that um, I think, as you put it, all you know is that something happened and that there was healing there, and the implications are immense. Um, is this something that uh, you've, as a result of your experience, you've bec- uh, become? Uh, more interested in, in exploring with with uh, Penelope or other people? Yes. I don't have a whole lot of time. But the thing that's most striking to me, as with all these stories of transformation, is there's more under the sun, Horatio, than is known to man, as a you know, misquote of, of Shakespeare. Hmm. Um and we can't discover it unless we open ourselves to to seeing. In my case, um, I don't really open myself to seeing. I see an animal I want to help, and I try anything I can. And then things happen, mm-hmm. which I don't discount. And I'm going to try it again and again and again. I have a, a wolf right now. We're trying energy work on his injured spine. Yes, um, and if I don't have time, I hope other people do. Mm-hmm. They're really interesting people doing work on this. At, at this point, scientifically, um, most there's a huge body of scientific evidence saying that telepathy is real. Mm. Um, and hardcore scientific evidence 
That doesn't mean everyone's going to believe it or not, but it's there. And, you know, the stories like with, with Thunder, where it's pretty close to impossible not to know something happened. Many other stories for another series I have where it's really hard to give any other explanation other than cross-species telepathic communication. And that would mean there's a whole world out there mm. that we're not tuned into. That would be pretty wondrous. Mm-hmm. The other thing that was so stunning to me, perhaps even more stunning than the fact that somehow or another he was walking again, is he was a, a pretty macho male bear. When he came out that spring, he was sweet. And that sweetness has intensified. First thing you could say is, okay, he's not in pain anymore. But the level of sweetness, when you look in his eyes now, is so palpable, so powerful. So what happened to make him so sweet? Was it that somehow he sensed on some nonverbal level that humans were really tried hard to help him? Was it that on some level when Penelope contacted him, he got, uh, he realized it was possible to have an actual genuine connection with a human being on a level that he understood? But at this point, when people come to visit him, some people have literally started to, to, uh, start to cry. Mm. He comes right up, and so you're right there close to him, and there's just that sweetness in his eyes. So, everybody can draw their own conclusions. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as you've told many stories, um, and I've listened quite a bit to those stories, um, and it seems that in your work of working with wild animals who've come into your care, um, and that your you know your the mission of Earth Fire Institute and your passion is to is to care for those animals as well as to pave a way forward for uh, respect and rights and dignity of wild animals the world over. Um, it, I get the feeling there's a reoccurring theme in so, in some of the stories we've talked about. Of uh, of things that seemed uh, that that boggled the mind a little bit, things that were unexpected, healing events that you couldn't explain. And I, you know, I hear you saying that these things happened. You know that they happened. You're not sure how to explain it. But I get my question is through all these stories. Um, I get a feeling that one of the things that you've encountered is just this openness that the that the wild animals have mm. to some to the to things that we can't explain mm. and perhaps that makes them better able to give and receive because mm. of the the openness that you've picked up on and thus the outcome has been all these things that you've seen that to the to the conventional mind seem miraculous seem uh, yeah. impossible to explain or difficult anyway. 
you, you asked me a question in one of the earlier incidents, and I, as I thought about it, it's, I think what's happening is that on one way or another, they're all tuning in to universal healing energy, be it the animals who are healing or Penelope who's helping to heal. Um, in that case, it's a, commun- a communion of healing energy, connection of it. Um, runs like the wind, the deer. The energy and the beauty of that heart connection between him and a herd. Somehow they're all tuning into something that we don't tune into as easily. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, by extension of, of, of these experiences you've had, would it be fair for me to say that part of your mindset around your work is um, to think of how we help the, the plight of wild animals, not just as, um, as saving them through, our, through what we think we should do for them, but rather being open to receiving from them what works for them. You know, I think a lot of people think if we're going to save wild animals and then they fill in that blank of how to save wild animals through the construct of entirely human thinking. Mm. It sounds like what you've been learning over these years is, you know, the, the most, the most effective way to, to, uh, do this work or to explain to people about the work is to really uh, emphasize that need to be open to the messages we're getting from the animals. Yeah, um, they're desperate. They're being pushed off the earth. We sense their desperation as we sense each other's desperation. It's all on the air. So there's that level that they need us to lead and start to be sane. Mm-hmm. But there's also the element that they have an incredible amount to offer us. Um, whether you, some people say animals know more than us and are smarter than us, um, I don't know about any of that. But I do know that when you meet a bear, a single individual bear, because all these animals are clearly, strongly individual beings, when you meet a bear and meet him, your life is enriched. Mm. There's, there's a bareness now in your life. And when you meet a wolf, you're enriched. There's a wolfness now in your life. You're aware of another type of intelligence, another type of being. And every single species offers that, both the, the unique individual and then each animal as a member of its unique species. And there's this richness of different intelligences and ways of seeing things um, that, that calms us and opens us. So there's a whole lot that the animals offer us other than companionship. You know, Chief Seattle, beautiful quote about if all the beasts were killed, man would gri- die of a great loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that element of companionship as well. Mm-hmm. And then the mysterious things that I don't know. Maybe they can teach us a whole lot more than we realize they can teach us. Mm-hmm. We haven't explored it. Mm-hmm. And I also get the feeling that in the 
in the stories, especially like the, this last story, um, uh, that it may for some people trigger uh, a part of them that is skeptical about about the story. Mm. You know, totally, people have a lot of people have a automatic triggering skepticism mechanism when they hear words like telepathy. Mm-hmm. But I get the sense that's okay with you. You're not asking for people to to uh, to is, that that a a part that is skeptical is not necessarily a bad thing. But do we also uh, do we also have an openness to possibility that you know that in the end there's a that we can all have our our feelings about these things, but let's not negate what actually happens, what the actual outcomes are. And I just I guess I just get the sense that that's kind of important when uh, when you go to take on that that lofty mission that uh, that you really have an acceptance of things that have happened and that however you think it may have happened that at the very least let's remain open and let's remain open to learning not just from each other but from the animals as well um it is okay with me people are entitled to believe whatever they want to believe i'm simply telling the story Uh of something that happened as information Mm-hmm. And people can do whatever they feel comfortable with with it. But the one thing I would say is real science, in my mind, and this I believe strongly, is not to narrow one's thinking and not to, because of beliefs, let your beliefs cloud what you see. Now, what explanation there is is another matter, but not to say it couldn't happen if it did. Mm-hmm. And then if it did, what does that mean? That's the only way science ever actually moves ahead. Mm-hmm. Many of the huge discoveries of the world, I mean, the world used to be flat. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, many of the things we discover originally have this huge skepticism. So I'm not pushing for any of this. I'm simply saying this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Let's explore it. Right. Good. Thank you, Susan, for the conversation and for the story that reminds us of the beauty of life. Thank you, John, for making it possible. You're welcome. And if you'd like more information, please go to earthfireinstitute.org. That's earthfireinstitute, one word, dot O-R-G.